Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome, welcome to all of our listening uh, audience. This is the Caregivers Care Jar podcast, and I am your host, Von Foy, the voice brander. And I'm here with my wonderful co host and dear friend, Miss Christy. Hello, hello. All right. Um, and we are looking at this episode. Um, we are coming up actually um, at the time of this broadcast on our our uh, our first year of doing this podcast coming up soon um and we have uh, a wonderful special guest and excited uh and enthused about what we're sharing uh miss temple leffingwell i had to sing the song in my head (laughs) miss temple leffingwell is joining us again this is actually for a third time um we had her on episode 10 talking about um, just her journey and her story with her husband, Chris. Um, and, um, and today we're celebrating the, re- uh, the releasing of her audiobook, Whoops, I Married a Bipolar. And uh, we're just celebrating and uh, helping to um, get that out. And it, it, it's a, you, you have to listen to it. Her story is amazing. Her story is moving, it's funny, it's hilarious, it's touching. Um, you're going to instantly relate, and um, you, you just, you just got to get it. So we'll get you all of that information. But let me do an official, uh, in, uh, what do you call this, introduction for, for Temple. So Temple has been married for eight years to her husband, Chris. She did recognize that he was dealing with extreme emotional mood swings early on and had a very hard time controlling emotional overload, leading to frequent outbursts of rage. She was very challenged to leave him because she could see that his actions were outside of his conscious control. As the years went on, his his symptoms worsened and led to a psychotic breakdown in 2015. They have been on the journey of recovery together. It has, or it is a fight uh, that has no handbook. So she uh, wants to be a support to any woman that are married to someone with bipolar disorder that feels they are lost and need a guiding light. So we want to welcome to the screen and to the airways, Miss Temple Leffington. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Leffington, almost. Leffing well. I was singing a song. I almost had it. I, I know. Was, I yeah. know. It's it happens all the time. I'm sorry. Mm. Right. <laughs> laughing wiggles is what people say a lot of times, or laughing well is my most yeah. common one. Laughing well. Laughing well. Okay, that's the yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, Vaughn. Um, yeah, I just love coming and hanging out with you guys on these podcasts. Yeah. Uh, I feel so supported by the two of you. Um, you know, you're just two big balls of love and, you know, you've supported me so much through this journey and to get to this point now where I get to, you know, really put it out there into the world. I, I feel like I wouldn't have even got there without you guys. I know that, you know, God would have found another way, but really, it was you guys. <laughs> you made it real and tangible. So I thank you so, so much and appreciate you, Vaughn, for getting that book out. I mean, for giving me a way to get it done. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there was a way. 
uh, the book has been sitting on the shelf for three years and you helped me get it done and published and for the world to hear. And so I'm very, very thankful and proud. Oh, you're most welcome. We're so glad to be a part and we received that. So, ooh, that's yeah. So proud of you. And it's yeah. so raw and authentic and I love it. I love yeah. It. Really, really. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's not uh, it's not for the faint of heart, right? No, yeah. yeah. You, if you want the real, it's not going to be this fluffy no sugar at all it's just it's sweet there's some sweetness in there but it's no sugar <laughs> well there is love yeah there's definitely there's love. absolutely love dedication loyalty all of it it's such a beautiful yeah yeah, yeah the, the journey the journey is like super super real so kind of the catch kind of catch people up that may be just listening for the first time and haven't heard the episode, um, but we'll talk about it today. So as I read in the introduction, the title of her book is Whoops, I Married a Bipolar, um, which you can find online, and we will give you all of that contact information, where to get that, and then recently her audiobook um, that we just had put out, and um, it's already stirring up some, uh, let's call it interest. <laughs> in a <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, a little controversy. A little controversy. Well, maybe, let, maybe we'll jump right into, you know, start right there. Um, you know, why did you title the book "Whoops, I Married a Bipolar"? And are people like really offended? What What are you experiencing since the release of this? Well, <clears throat> the people that I released it to are my personal women support group that I'm in, there's over 2000 women in this group. They're all women that are married to a bipolar spouse, men. So um, they've seen my journey. They, you know, they, this is the place that I go to when I'm melting down and I'm asking for help and saying, what the heck is going on? And so uh, they've known my journey. And now that I've been in the, the group for, almost three years now I'm kind of one of the more seasoned mm. veterans of the group and uh <laughs> so they're all really proud of me though and I told them that the book was coming and I I sent it out to a few I said if anybody wants to read it for free because I needed some feedback yeah. and they're like I want to read it I want to read it I want to read it so like 15 ladies already read it and they're like, oh my gosh, you're telling my story. You're telling my story. You're telling my story. And so I thought, okay, this is it. I, I need to release this thing. You know, this is real. It's not just me that's going through this. Even though I knew conceptually, it wasn't just me that was living such an extreme story. Right. It really started to hit home after they read the book and was like, I could almost have written that verbatim. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I said, okay, this is it. It's time, time to really connect it. So uh, I told him that I announced again, here it is on audiobook. If anybody wants to buy it, and they're like, I want to buy it. I want to buy it. And then there was a, a, a woman who hasn't been on the group very long that she said, why are you saying a bipolar? That is dehumanizing your spouse to say a bipolar. And she's fairly new to the group, so she doesn't know that 
my history, my humor, things like that. Mm -hmm. and, I, and so I said, well, there's definitely not an intention of dehumanizing my husband, but I will dehumanize bipolar any day of the week. Because <laughs> <laughs> bipolar does not respect me <laughs> or anybody. Doesn't respect marriage, doesn't respect family, doesn't respect your children. So I see bipolar as a separate entity. There is my husband, and then there is a bipolar. Mm. And that bipolar is part of my marriage now. And mm. so when that bipolar decided to become a throuple with me and my husband, I was like, what? <laughs> Whoops. I, did I marry you? I don't remember marrying you. But okay, I guess we're all married now. <laughs> so, you know, people really need to take it with the levity that I'm saying, because the book is, is not, it's not a fluff book. It's very serious. Yeah. And there's some deep stuff in there. So I needed to find a way to put something out there that had a little bit of levity that people could go, Oh, whoops, I married a bipolar. Yeah, I, that's me too. I thought I was marrying somebody, you know, like most of the people in my group did not know their spouse had bipolar when they met them. Right, right. So that's kind of the catch right there. There's many people, like if you know somebody, I'm not saying don't marry somebody with bipolar disorder, right. but it's a, it can be a very late stage development, you right. know? Right, right married five, 10 years, and then it starts to develop in their late 30s or sometimes even 40s. And we're learning so much these days about mental illness. And so I just totally commend you on how raw and open you are about it. And it's so beautiful because it holds context for other people to, this isn't something to be ashamed of. This is this is a journey that everybody gets to work with. And just like any other illness, whether it's diabetes, high blood pressure, you know, whatever, it has some very serious consequences to it. And they need to be talked about so they can be helped. Right. The whole family, not just the person that has it. Absolutely. It's, so, it's such great awareness. So I'm super, super proud of you, sis. Well, the, you don't have to respect illness. Right. You know, I need to make that clear. Like, this is not about making fun of my husband. Right. Hmm. But bipolar disorder, I don't need to respect bipolar disorder any more than I need to respect cancer. Hmm. You know, it's a destroyer. So hmm. I don't have respect for hmm. illnesses that destroy families. Right. I, I don't need to. So I, uh, I need to be strong enough to stay connected to my spouse so that we can be a team against the tragedy and chaos that bipolar can and does bring. Right. So if for me, it's a mental game that I have to put bipolar in its own category, you know, a lot of things that you can kind of blend, you know, if somebody has diabetes, you're like, okay, yeah, we need to make sure we watch out that we don't give grandma, you know, three pieces of pie. Right. But, it's not, it's so much more extreme with mental illness. Yeah. So much more extreme because you have no, you don't know when that entity is going to appear. Like if grandma eats three pieces of pie, she's 
probably going to have a diabetic reaction. Right, right. But you don't know what's going to trigger bipolar. It's a mystery. It's a surprise. And so it's better for me to see it as an entity that I have to deal with, you know, separately than mm -hmm. my husband. Right. Because my husband loves me very much and yeah. would never want to hurt me. But bipolar is mm. a mean spirited, can be a very mean spirited entity that will tear your marriage apart and disrespect everybody from work to children to pastors who don't care, spend all the money, burn the career to the ground. Like, right. why should I have a respect for any, any energy like that? Right. You know I mean? Diagnosis. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I said to that lady. <laughs> And I said, actually, what I said was, if you're offended by the title, you really don't want to read the book. <laughs> so, not the book for you. <laughs> not wow. the book for you. Well, I, I love that, though, too. Um, it's interesting how, you know, not to respect the disease or the um, that separate entity that you have that separate so that you can treat it and separate it from the person. Mm -hmm. You can still love and save and um, 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 serve and all of that, the person, but not the, that separate entity. That's, that's actually really uh, good in separating and how you, how you treat, because the person is the person. It's just the person that happens to have whatever. Right. You, right. you treat the person, <laughs> not the diagnosis. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Good, Christy. Yeah. Say that again, Christy. I missed it. You treat the person, not the diagnosis. Ooh. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Yeah. Really, really powerful um, in all cases. But yeah, and then not to. Re I don't have to respect it. I don't have to respect the. Um, what did you call it? the destroyer? Mm -hmm. The destroyer. And and that is even. Um, it it actually even puts. Um, to separate it even more to be like, no, you're the destroyer that happens to be with my, you know, with my spouse and, but I'm going to treat you as such, but I'm gonna treat my spouse as my spouse. And, um, and then, you know, and then know you, <laughs> you know, with, with whom or what you're dealing with at any given moment. That's, that's really good. That's, um, you know what, that has really been like in my support group, it's been the most powerful message that I've been able to share with the women mm -hmm. because it, 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 in a support group, there's a lot of venting, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God, my husband just spent his paycheck. Oh my God, my husband just went, disappeared mm -hmm. and, and won't answer his phone, you know? Like, mm -hmm. how dare he? Or there's a lot of actions that happen when, um, when a bipolar person is in mania that mm -hmm. is way outside of what they would ever do in their right mind mm. so but it, because it's behavior like you know because they didn't like drink those actions into their body or smoke those actions into their body because it's coming from them right. it feels real personal mm. and the women are like I can't I'm divorcing him that he can't do that you know he can't do that to me he can't I'm not gonna let him get away with that and my mm. voice has always been 
is that your husband or is that bipolar? Mm. Would your husband do this to you if he wasn't manic? So separating mania from your spouse is kind of the number one rule for me to remember that. And that's why we separated initially because he was in mania and he mm -hmm. walked out and said, he's never come home for <laughs> just left. Wow. What are you talking about? It made no sense. Like, no, that's not Chris. That's something else. I don't know what it is, but it's not him. Hmm. And, you know, then looking back and now, now that I know what mania is, it's, it's a compulsive, impulsive um, action. Mania takes, it floods your brain with so many different um, uh, neurotransmitters. It's just like doing drugs hmm. without having to take drugs. So like you went on the wildest night of your life to Vegas and did all the drugs and drank all the booze and that's what mania is like hmm. you you they will act out from all the neurotransmitters that start flooding their brain next thing you know <laughs> they're gambling the money away they're i'm leaving my wife i'm running away with a hooker it's just like it's yeah. insane literally it's insanity so you have to be able to differentiate that this is a this is a psychoactive illness mm. and people will literally be out of their normal mind. Mm. So you cannot judge them for that any more than you can punish somebody for having schizophrenia and thinking that they see demons. It's not their mm. fault mm. that they see demons, but in their mind it's very real. And until they understand that they have, um, something in their brain that is triggering a psych psychotic reaction all the time, then they get control, you know, with medication and with support. It's the same thing with bipolar until they realize that that is not them doing those things and they're able to get help. Then they can realize that their symptoms are, uh, you know, telling them to do these things. But bipolar has the same feeling as we do when we don't know what's going on. They think that it's real. Right. You know, I really do want to leave my wife. I really do want to go move in with this person that I just met one minute ago. I really do want to spend all my money. It's, it's not, you know, I'm really doing this. This is what I want to do. That's what they think. Right. That's so, planned. Wow. So it takes a long time for them to figure out that the bipolar disorder is, is leading their life. Mm. And usually everything gets torn apart, you know? So I'm trying to put a message out there to, for people to understand what they're dealing with before they lose their husband, before they get a divorce, before they lose all their money, before they crash their careers, before their health goes, you know? Right. That's what happens. So hopefully people are going to get it within the, you know, the first quarter of this illness, not mm. after everything's been lost. Your husband has gone to jail. Your husband's been, you know, in the psych ward, all of that. Mm. Right. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. That's, 
This is this is good good education. <laughs> um, kind of long. So segue to like what what's like your husband's what's your husband's diagnosis and like symptoms? What are um, there's lots of different bipolars. There's bipolar one, bipolar two. Um, there's um, there's a mixed bipolar. And there is uh, what my husband has called um, schizoaffected bipolar mm -hmm. disorder. So it's basically bipolar one is a lot of mania. Bipolar two is not the highest mania happening, um, but there is, you know, um, some symptoms of mania and a lot of depression. Like highs and lows? High, yeah, highs and lows, highs and lows. Bipolar mm. one is a lot of highs, mm. but that euphoria place is also, it's, it's just, you know, again, it's a lot like drugs, like doing drugs, like doing meth or doing cocaine. It's like you hit that euphoric state. And then if you do it too long, you, mm. you know, you cross the other side, <laughs> you hit the wall and now you're a disaster. You know, you're not rational. You're not having any fun. You hate everybody, you know. So mania can start out very euphoric and exciting. And they mm -hmm. have all these brilliant ideas. And, you know, they're going to be millionaires. And there's grandiose. Grandiosity is a big part of it. Like, they're mm -hmm. a baller. They've got everything figured out. And then they'll hit the wall. And then it'll turn to rage and um, verbal abuse and um, running away um, mm. and, and even physical abuse, you know? So it's very dangerous to be mm. in mania. It's very dangerous. Um, some people with bipolar like it because it gives you all that energy. Right. Like, sure. If only we could all do a little cocaine, you know? It's like, no. It, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> you can't have a little bit of mania, you know? It's, it's inevitably what goes up, what come is, will come down. And on the way down, it's really ugly. And that's usually when people end up getting arrested or going to the hospital. So my husband has basically bipolar one with a um psychoactive tendency which means that he gets psychosis and psychosis is when you are having thoughts that are not really that are not reality okay. so thoughts that people are following you thoughts that people are watching you through your phone um thoughts that your wife is out to get you um, thoughts that everybody are, is out to get you. Is that you like know? phobias, like different phobias kind of? Paranoia is a big part of it. Paranoia, not, I mean, sure, phobias could be a part of it, but really it's paranoia. Oh, okay. Um, my husband, when he has real bad mania, if he stays in mania too long, it will, it'll go into psychosis. Mm. And once he's in psychosis, then things like, unplugging it everything he'll unplug everything mm. it feels like there's too much electricity in the air gotcha. 
he mm-hmm. thinks the electricity is, is coming into his body. And, you know, he's right. There's, there are Wi-Fi all over the place. Mm. So, you know, he's right. But <laughs> we, don't, we don't get to live like that, you know. Uh, your brain is supposed to tell you that it's okay, that there's Wi-Fi in the air, and we're just going to live with it. But the psychosis brain is like, nope, that's not good. I don't want those waves. And he would go around and unplugging everything. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So it's like a somewhat really of a heightened sense of sensitivity. Um, yes. Yeah, it's just a heightened sensitivity and awareness of what's actually, actually, actually happening, and and they and they respond. It responds, so to speak. They're scary sensitive. I don't want to say they because I can't speak for everybody, but my husband, it's crazy how hypersensitive he can be to things, and he's oh, he's a very smart guy and he has a lot of um like combative skills like he could go rounds you know what i mean like right. he's not manic and we have an argument we just talk it out and and we both have good things to say and he has something very intelligent to bring to the conversation and and then it it finds its way to work itself out when mm-hmm. he's manic he still has those skills but they're on fire. Mm. So now it's like, Oh, remember that time when you did that with that one thing, that's why you're messed up. That's why you're acting wrong right now. And then remember when you talked to your mom that one way on Christmas and you said that thing about her, yeah, you're still holding on to that. That's why you're not able to let go of what's happening right now. And remember when you um, were sick about that one thing? Yeah. You probably still have that in your body and that's what's making you feel tired about that right now. It's it's like, Wow. You know, there's so much activity happening. Like they're seeing the whole world at once. Mm. And like with a scanning machine, you know, Mm. like I'm looking at you, I'm looking right through you. I'm seeing everything that's in your brain. I'm seeing everything that's in your energy field. I'm seeing your past. I'm seeing your soul. I'm seeing everything at once. Can you imagine feeling Mm. like that all the time? Hmm. So it is very overwhelming. It is a hypersensitivity. And that's why they kind of start to, on the way down, they want to isolate. They don't want anybody. My husband doesn't want people touching him. He wants to be in his own little, with his hoodie. And, you know, we'll just let, kind of lock himself down. Hmm. Until it can get him, you know, to the hospital or some medication. I've taken him to the hospital many times at midnight because of a manic episode like that, that started earlier in the day. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) Mm. where is this going (laughs) to go? And it usually ends up in the hospital. Uh, What they give them there though, is they won't give them antipsychotic medication in the hospital. They only give an anti-anxiety. So that is a tip for anybody with if your husband is manic going into psychosis if you can get them to the hospital they will at least give them a a lorazepam or something and get them to calm down but if you need to get them hospitalized like if they are not medicated at all and or they went off their medication then they need to go into the hospital for a few days Right. But that is so hard to get them to go. 
the way to get them to go is to let them have their episode all the way mm. so that somebody of authority like the mental health crisis line or if you can get them to go to the hospital during that point then a doctor will admit them but if they won't go then or if you get them to the hospital and they medicate them then by the time the caseworker comes for an assessment they're already calmed down mm. and so they won't admit them so it's very tricky interesting so it's like they if they go all the way through their episode if i heard right um and then if you can get them to go and then you can kind of say this is what happened and then they then they would admit based on what had happened um is that what you're somebody saying somebody needs to witness it somebody in authority oh. needs to witness it so a psychiatrist mm -hmm. or a mental health crisis worker um Every, I don't know if every county has a mental health crisis line yet, but anybody that's married to somebody with bipolar disorder, make sure that you find out what the phone number is for your mental health crisis, your hotline, your mental health hotline crisis number in your county. Because if your spouse is having mania, you call them and they will come over and they'll, they'll write it down what's going on. And if he doesn't calm down, they they can go forward and helping him getting admitted. Wow. So you do have to cut. You have to you have to have somebody see it that has authority. I call the crisis hotline all the time because I need to make sure that it's on record that he's starting to have mania, so that if I do have to um, help him get admitted later that day it's already on file that a crisis worker came out, talked to him, clearly saw he was manic. They wrote it down and they'll try to get him to take his medication. And uh, a lot of times he will, mm. but sometimes he won't. And if he doesn't, then we can end up in a full mania psychotic episode and that's when we need to go to the hospital. He might need to be hospitalized. So I need to have some backup that shows that this has been happening. You know what I mean? Wow. So and without that, then it's like they're they won't they won't admit anyone. They won't. Um, then you're kind of on your own. They won't admit them because they'll say, "I don't want to go." Gotcha. So. As long as they have enough sense, sensibility to say, I don't want to go, mm. they can't force them to go. They have to be literally outside of their, you know, right mind to be able to care for themselves. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. It, 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 to me, it's a tragedy. I, I hate it. I hate this law. I think that it's criminal to mm. let somebody hang around in psychosis and mania without just admitting them to the hospital. Mm. Because if somebody falls out of a tree and breaks their neck, you don't ask for permission to take them to the hospital. Right. You just take them. Right. So when my husband is that sick, uh, if, if all he has to say, I don't want to go and mm. they give him two or three days in psychosis, his brain 
is under so much stress, so much strain. He's mm. literally frying his brain, you know, uh, and he's already lost a lot of short-term memory function, cognitive function. So I'm not playing with mania. As soon as I see the first sign of it, I'm calling the hotline and I'm saying we need to get ready to take action. Mm. And now we do, but it's taken me three years to figure that out. So that's why I want to tell you people, yeah. don't wait, get your team available and in a row with your psychiatrist and your counselor and the crisis health life or even the police. I've called the police. They don't like it, but I do. And they've come over and they're like, uh, well, Mrs. Carmel, what do you want us to do? I said, I want you to hand him this pill and tell him to take it because he won't let me anywhere near him. Wow. So can you just hand him his medication and let him know that he can stay in his home <laughs> by taking this pill? Wow. And they do it and he takes it. And then half an hour later, he's back into his body and he's like, sorry, babe. <laughs> sorry i scared you like that wow. you know really it, the change is so dramatic between what they experience in mania and what they really who they really are it's really drastic wow. yeah wow hmm good 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 stuff to know and apply so like don't and don't be afraid to call multiple times and use those tools um, that that is your hotline <clears throat> to help that's good wow. things are changing i think that this pandemic has really ramped up the mental health system yeah yes. i was just gonna say yeah probably a lot more cases now with people having to be contained to inside exactly oh yeah I mean, talk about paranoia. You force yeah. somebody to stay in their house and tell them that there's a deadly virus on the way. I think that might trigger somebody with mental illness. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I can only imagine like the things that, that you know, you're, or, and or you're home with the kids and now you're the teacher and, and you have to work or, or you don't have work and. Yes. Yeah, yes. That wife has a lot, those wives need a lot of thick skin. Yeah. They're juggling a lot on their plate. They're juggling a lot. Oh my gosh. These, these girls on Kids the. And, job and, a, and a spouse. Yeah. I will say that the mental health crisis line since last year, um, my husband has had a lot of mania in the last couple of years. And mm. last year I would call and they'd be like, well, uh, do we need to come over, you know, just like real t uh, timid about it. Mm. And now they're like, oh, what can I do for you? Um, I said, well, my husband's manic. He might go into psychosis. He might need to go to the hospital. Mm. Okay. Do you want us to come over right now? Or, wow. or do you want us to wait? And I said, you know, okay, let's give it an hour. They said, great. We're going to call you every hour and check in on you for the next 24 hours. Temple, would you say knowing like keywords, what to say, like you said, manic and, you know, psychosis. And do you think knowing those trigger words to be able to say will kind of help them along the way, the people on the other line going, okay, 
she's kind of been in this situation before. She kind of knows where she's at and what she's doing. And she'll let us know where to step in and help out where we can. Do you think that's helpful knowing those trigger words to say? Oh, absolutely. It does. Because in the beginning, I would just call and be like, help, you know, help. I don't know what's happening. And now I go, hi, uh, this is Mrs. Cartmill. My husband has schizoaffected bipolar disorder. He's been on this medication for this long and his medication isn't working. And he now has mania for the last eight hours. And he's probably going to go to psychosis next if I can't get him to take his medication. Right. So you, know, you learn to get clinical. To give a pattern of clinician. Yeah. Right. You can't just cry into the phone all the time. You got to stay you know, yeah, ground and centered and kind of be the calm in the storm and, and say, this is what's going on kind of thing, which isn't easy to do, but it's very helpful. It is helpful and they want to be more helpful when they know that you're calm. You know, I mean, they're people too, even though they're, you know, they're working clinicians. Well, and they get to decide, you know, they're trying to decipher, okay, is this just some lady calling, arguing with her husband or is, is this, you know, does she really know what she's doing and what's going on? So mm. that's good information to know. Exactly. Yeah. Utilize that crisis hotline. I, I can't stress that enough, how important it is. And you can just call and talk too. It's not like, hey, come over and save us, but it is a hotline. So you can just talk to them. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, I'm stuck. And they're, they will talk you, talk with you for a little while, or they'll be prepared to take some action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine the hotline, the crisis hotline probably hired a lot of people this year. Yeah. <clears throat> A lot of, a lot of need, yeah, because uh, things are triggering. Mm-hmm. And um... yeah, you know what was interesting is um, a, a few weeks ago, my husband's medication stopped working after six months of being on a certain medication, and he became manic, uh, and it was clear that he was going to be in psychosis soon. So I called the crisis hotline, and I said, "Do you guys have records of me? Because I call a lot." <laughs> and they're like oh yes yes we do see that you called they said yeah there was this one uh crisis worker that was so helpful literally i believe that he saved chris's life last year um by by moving forward to getting him admitted even Mm -hmm. though chris didn't want to go he was able to talk to the next level of escalation and get him admitted and it it, it saved him. So I said, you know, that guy, Dave is, he really helped us last year. We okay. love you, Dave. So Thank you. We love you, Dave. Oh my God. And then I get a phone call an hour later cause they're checking on me every hour. Right. And guess who's on the phone? It's Dave. Dave. Dave is there. He didn't even know that I was telling them, you know, how, how much he helped us. And, and I said, hey, Dave, do you remember me, Temple, and my husband, Chris? And he's like, yes, of course, that name, you know. Hmm. I said, man, you saved my husband's life last year. Wow. Uh, like, they don't even know. They don't even get to follow up. They don't know what happened to these people mm-hmm. afterwards. So I just want to, like. You got to give him his praise report. Oh, wonderful. It, it was so, like, you know, because I was really praying, like, God, get me somebody 
that knows how to handle these things. I don't want to play games, you know? I mean, you know how I talk. It's like, yeah. I don't have time for no games, okay, Lord? You're a little bossy with God, yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm a little bossy with my prayers sometimes, but, <laughs> you know, I don't have time. <laughs> I don't have time to be messing around, like, Lord, please bless us. I don't have time for that. So it's like, hey, find me somebody that knows something about what we're going through now. And Dave called and I'm like, there it is. There's the confirmation. God is still in this. You know, yeah. we are not alone. You, ladies, gentlemen, you do not have to do this alone. Ask for help. Ask yeah. your source for help. Pray for help. And then call the crisis hotline. Right. Right. Wow. Good stuff. So hmm. good, honey. So with all that being said, sweetheart, what do you think has kept you together? What do I think has kept us together? Um, a lot, a lot of things have kept us together. <laughs> um, you can't say there's just one thing. Of course, love is the glue. Right. You know, love, love, conquers all. love is the glue for mm -hmm. anything. If you have a sick child, if you have a sick spouse, love is the glue that keeps you in it. Um, so I still love him. So mm -hmm. that's very relevant. But I have to say that his part in it is very important because he keeps showing up. Mm. Bipolar keeps sabotaging it, but my husband keeps showing up. Mm -hmm. So he does take his medication and he does go to the counselor and he goes to the psychiatrist and he goes to all the programs that we've sent him to and he exercises 5,000 steps a day and he drinks his fruit smoothies. He takes all his vitamins. I mean, he's actively engaged in his recovery. Mm. And so I've had to tell him, you know, in the moments when he's manic and like mania hates treatment. Okay. Bipolar hates treatment and like, screw you, screw your mental health. Uh, screw these pills. I'm not doing any of this. I'm mm. done with you and I'm done with all of it. And I go, okay. And I leave the room <laughs> and I go call the crisis hotline. So I did have to do a lot of differentiating between love and codependency though. Right. Mm. Yeah. Because yeah. it is an abusive situation. I mean, let's, I'm going to be honest right now again, mm -hmm. and it is abusive. It's verbally abusive. It's emotionally abusive. It's energetically abusive to live with an unmedicated bipolar. Mm. So it was tough. It was really tough to stay in place, but I did know that if I couldn't stay present with him and help him get the right treatment, that what would happen to him would, I would have to live with it. And mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared to live with what could happen to him. I mean, he could kill so himself. So the fear of what could happen was greater than the fear of staying. Yeah. And honestly, like if I would have had kids, I probably, I mean, I hate to say it like that, but I probably would have left if I was in that situation with little kids. For protection, for, for, for protection for them. Yeah. Not, not physical harm, but mm. you know, when you have uh, emotional verbal abuse going on constantly, 
you know, it causes a lot of damage to everything around you. But I am not a little kid. I'm a grown woman. I've been through a lot of hard things already. And I had a lot of tools to be able to work through and be able to recover myself. So I said, I'm going to stay as long as I can stay. I'm going to just do what I do. Keep in my prayers, keep my energy clean you know, I will, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm not eating a bunch of junk food. I just try to keep my energy as clean as possible so that I was strong and that the things that were happening were not coming in and consuming me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I ha- again had to differentiate between bipolar, the destroyer, and my husband who loves and adores me. Mm-hmm. So once I started to figure that out, I did much better emotionally on my own. And I go to counseling. I go to counseling. Mm-hmm. I've been in counseling every week for a very long time. So counseling, support groups, journaling. You're just yes. going through school for psychology. I mean, you're doing your part too. Yeah. Yes, yeah. girl. This is my illness too. Yeah. Mm. You know, I have to keep myself in check. So what kept us together is, um, and, and there's a lot of women that are ready to leave in the support groups, you know, and it's because their spouse will not cooperate with treatment. Yeah, it makes a big difference. Mm. I mean, just like with any marriage, right? I mean, yes, they could have any kind of illness or addiction or whatever. And if that person isn't willing to, you know, be accountable for that part, knowing that there's stuff that they need to do, it's, it's really hard to be a team when you're the only one working. Hmm. Right. I like, I like yeah. how you said that, you know, Chris show, shows up, he shows up. And yeah. He does, does his part. Yeah. And that's huge. That's yeah. Wow. And then having, um, spouses that don't then, yeah, then that's, that's, that's super hard. Hmm. Being able to tell the difference between the truth and the lies. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's, that's the biggest part because bipolar is a liar. Gotcha. Wow. He's a manipulator. He will steal from you. He will stab you in the back. He'll, you know, take your wallet and leave and go to Vegas. Bipolar is a trickster. So Mm. I don't believe anything bipolar says. So if he says something negative about me, I literally go, that's a lie. (laughs) 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 Okay. And I turn the other way. But when you're in the, you know, in the beginning and you're starting to realize like, God, my husband's just saying terrible things about me. What's going on? You know, but why would he say those things about me? And you don't know that his bipolar disorder is developing symptoms are growing. You know, it comes out as a fit and then he wakes up the next morning. He's totally fine. I love you, babe. Let's go for a walk. And you're like, who was that person? What? I don't know. When you start seeing those uh, black and white mood swings like that. Yeah, the Jekyll kind of syndrome. Mm. Is that what you mean? Temple, like kind of like Jekyll and Hyde? I mean, yes. I don't don't like to um, categorize it like that because it really makes them sound like they're going to flip out and murder somebody. Mm. But it's not like that. Yeah, not like (laughs) that. <laughs> I just yeah. meant to <laughs> Jekyll was a murderer, right? So I don't want to say <laughs> is 
It is polarity, bipolar. It's two polars, polar opposite. Mm. Your loving husband, and then there's bipolar. So it's it is mood swing, and mm. with that swing, whatever they know how to say to get you away from them, they're gonna say. Mm. So I don't believe that. There was a time. This is a cute story. There was a time when my husband was manic and I, uh, the medication was not working. We could not get him back to the doctor for another month or so. And um, they just kept telling me, try to hang in there. <laughs> you know, we'll get him in as soon as we can. <laughs> so it was like months of mania, rapid cycling mania. Wow. And he kept wanting to sell, turn his phone in. He wanted a new phone. So every 30 days, this happened for like three months. He says, I need a new phone because my phone is my brain and it's not working right. So I got to go get a new phone. Mm. And I'm like, no, babe, your brain is your brain. <laughs> your phone is a device. Mm. If the phone isn't working, it means that you're doing something wrong. Anyway, try to rationalize with a manic bipolar is not possible. So he would run out and trade his phone in. And I'm like, you have to stop doing that. I took away his debit card. I wouldn't let him go buy the phone. And then one night he goes, this is it. My phone, my brain phone is not working again. I'm going to get another phone. And I'm like, well, I'm not giving you the keys to the car. I have the debit card. You're not going to do that. He's like, oh, they're giving away free ones right now at Verizon. So he left right then on foot and started walking to the Verizon store. And I just got in the car and followed him. <laughs> and then I videotaped him for my girlfriends on the support group and said, you know, look at bipolar. He's going to go buy himself a new phone. He does not care that he has a brand new phone in his hand. He believes he, the only thing that's going to calm him down is to get himself a brand new phone today. So I just followed him to the store. I watched him go in. I watched him attempt to trade his phone in. They're like, who, uh, they didn't even know what he was talking about. They sent him away. And once it was resolved in his mind that he could not get a phone, he came back to himself. Mm. He got in the car with me and he's like, well, I guess I can't get a phone. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There is a there's a focus that they can get that is so intense. Mm. Like they can't focus on anything else until there's some kind of resolve in their own mind. Believe me, I have gone through debate with bipolar. And I'm a good debater. Hmm. And I've never won. Wow. Because bipolar can focus on something and like a pit bull, or never let it go until it's resolved in their own mind. So that being said, here's my tip number two. Mm -hmm. Call the crisis hotline. Tip number two, don't fight with a bipolar. Don't mm. do it. You're not, it's an unwinnable fight. Mm. You have to walk away. And my little rule, my little thing in my brain, the trick to follow is to stop, drop, and roll. Mm. Like if there's a fire or an earthquake, stop it. 
drop what you're saying right now. Stop it and drop it and roll the heck out of there. And mm. give him five or 10 minutes to disengage. And then you can come back and go, babe, I made you a sandwich. And he'll go, thanks. The fight will be over. Because mm. it's the engagement that keeps the manic brain going. Interesting. There has to be a stopping point, you know? So it's either resolved or it's disengaged. Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hearing in my wording, I'm hearing surrender is a big help. Oh yeah. And don't you hate to surrender a fight? I don't know about you guys. I like flow and harmony. So no, I like to surrender. <laughs> but everyone's going to bring the peace. Okay. Let's try that. Am I the only fighter in the room? Okay. No. <laughs> no, but as I'm getting older, I'm really learning to appreciate and embrace the beauty of surrender because it's not giving up. It's just finding another way around. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I like that, Christy. You need to surrender this right now. I need to say that to myself. I need to surrender this right now. No, I can't do it. I can't say it. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a, it's a different, like a different strat. It's a, it's a different strategy to win. Yeah. So to speak. yeah. Yours is a more conscious strategy, Christy. Huh. But when you are in the heat of the moment, I'm not right. a conscious woman. Mm. Right. 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 In no, the world, I, I, I get that. Uh, yeah. In the world, I'm a conscious woman. And when I'm into, oh, here, let me share this with you guys. This is going to make a lot of sense survival mode right we talk about this so your reptilian brain you get into survival mode everybody talks about that right what happens when you go into survival you know the two things that they say well now it's three you fight or you flight or you freeze right hmm. okay now this just was cleared up for me just recently in counseling that i'm totally focused on my husband's survival technique which is fight and flight. He'll fight me, and if I don't back down, he'll run away from me. So I'm always worried, like, oh, I don't want to trigger his flight response. I don't want to trigger his fight response. And then I talk to my counselor, and she's like, Temple, you're a mess. What? I mean, she doesn't say that in a nice way. She says it in a clinical way. Temple, it seems like your stress levels have really elevated. <laughs> <laughs> In you know, in short terms, Temple, you a mess. <laughs> yeah. I know because I've been uh, I've been so worried about triggering his stress response. I you know, and she goes, "Well, what do you mean?" I said, "Well, I keep fighting with him. I'm I mean, I'm trying to reason with him. I'm trying to reason with him." Mm. And she goes, "Oh, you mean you're you're fighting?" Oh yeah. She goes, "Oh, so that's your." You, that's your survival your survival response is to fight mm. so you're being triggered you're in survival you're fighting even though you know in your mind you're not supposed to you know in your heart you don't want to be but you're doing it anyway so you're the one in survival temple mm. so i gotta worry about my trigger responses right not just his Wow. So now when I see myself starting to negotiate with bipolar, I really got to go, girl, no, shut up. Mm -hmm. Stop it. 
drop it and roll out. Mm. And you know, I gotta yell at myself, stop it, get out. So I'm not as nice to me as Christy would be. <laughs> wow. That's good it's stuff. It's taken me a long time to be this nice, though, trust me. I was the fighter for a long time. And that was your survival, right? That was, was your survival response, was to fight. Yeah, it was. And, and then I, I learned that pretty word, surrender. And I was like, oh, this is beautiful. I'm going to practice this more often. And it's not always easy. I mean, I don't just go straight to surrender, right? Because sometimes I'll be like, oh. hey, what? And then I'm like, oh, wait, oh, wait, oh. Let me back that up a little. <laughs> yes. It's a practice. It's a practice. Uh, all right. Well, this has been so good. Uh, we're going to we're going to have to make this into two parts. So I'm going to ask our, our wonderful editor, Michael, if you would just uh, kind of cut this section A off here and we will come in again on part two um, of, of this with Temple Leffingwell and talking about, whoops, I married a bipolar.